Because <laughs> I was... Good evening, everyone, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Steigman, and with me, as always, is my best pal... Noel Schmidt. That's correct. And together we host a show called High Spirits, in which we drink alcohol and we talk about ghosts. Ghosts. That's right. Hi. Hey. Um, Tis the season to have uh, almost finished all the holidays... Yes, we're in the we're like in the middle of the holiday. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Um, <clears throat> we're going to tell you who you're sponsored by, and then we'll uh, come in with some housekeeping. Um, Noelle, who are you drinking? Um, I'm a I'm in the, the spirit of the holidays. I am drinking Shameless Santa. It's a Belgian ale. My brother bought it for me. It was my holiday gift. Just what I'm drinking too. Yeah, yeah. We're drinking the same thing. Shameless Santa. Mm-hmm. He ain't got no problems. Yeah. Or apologies. Shameless. Santa. <laughs> it's good. It's a little hoppy. Yeah, I like it. Um, I also have to apologize because I'm without a voice. Are you? You sound wonderful. I sound a little pubescent. Do you? Uh, but, you know, let's just roll with it. Yeah, we're, ro- we're rocking. We're rolling. We're um, yeah. taking it taking it one minute at a time here mm-hmm. at High Spirit Chicago. Um, What's that line from Greece? <clears throat> rocking and rolling and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Noelle and I just did our gift exchange, and you'll be happy to know we're just as weird off the radio (laughs) as we are in real life. Uh, Noelle got me 199 cemeteries to see before you die. Um, It is a hardback uh, picture book of uh, the cemeteries you need to see before you you die. As I started leafing through, I was like, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. So that's a problem. But anyway, Merry Christmas, friend. Merry Christmas. I think that's actually to help you shop around for where you want to spend your eternity. Yeah, I know. Just be interred. I don't. Fire me up and throw me on a tree. (laughs) Agreed. Burn me. Um, And Jay got me a saint candle of Saint Nancy, Our Lady of Lightning, from the movie The Craft. Yeah, we always say this, but if you haven't seen The Craft, go ahead, put this on pause, watch The Craft, and come back and enjoy us. It's currently on demand for free. Where? On the, uh, on the if you have a Comcast or oh, I don't. cable TV, you, you can, can watch the old uh, water, water, fire, fire, air, Earth, air. Earth. Yeah, please watch it. It's wonderful. Also, friend of the show, Megan Ensley. Hi, Hi Megan. Hi, Megan. Um, got us The Craft Stickers. Stickers. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we had to fight over them. Uh, Noelle got Nancy and I got the rest. <laughs> I think it's fair. I think it it's fair. It will go very nicely with my candle. Yeah. It's amazing. So, yeah, Merry Christmas, friend. And happy holidays to you out there in, yeah. in the uh, uh, podcast first. Whatever you celebrate. Boxing Day. Totally fine. Yeah. So, um, thank you so much for coming back and listening to the show. You might have noticed that we've been on a bit of a hiatus. Um, I went overseas again, and uh, Noelle's been uh, really busy with work, so we're um, trying to manage our life with our passion, and our passion, of course, is drinking. And ghosts. And ghosts. (laughs) But in that order. Functional drinking and talking about ghosts. Yeah. Sometimes. I've listened to some of these. (laughs) <laughs> mostly functional semi-functional yeah yeah somebody was trying to describe the show back to me and they're like it's like if drunk history and i'm like yes we that's got right. it we get we it know. we, we know what we're about we know who we are we're not hiding or trying to be anything we're not oh no we get it yeah oftentimes you can hear cans opening that's me <laughs> <laughs> maybe some wine spilling onto the table that's well, me sometimes we shriek and i don't know who knows? anywho uh, 
Love your damn self. We love ourselves. Yeah. Uh, Miss Noel, I'm just going to pop right into this. Okay. Unless you've got some stuff to want to talk about. Um, I was thinking, like, do I have any, like, movie moments or things? Oh, yeah. I forget what the movie was. Uh, I, I mean, I've watched some things, um, but nothing... Well, with the holiday spirit, if you haven't watched uh, The Christmas Chronicles with um, Kurt Russell on Netflix, please do so. It's best to watch it with a child because it's intended to be a kid's movie, but it takes place in Chicago, which is fun, and it looks like they actually filmed a lot of it here. And uh, it's weird to see Kurt Russell as Santa, but yet at the same time, it's still Kurt Russell as Santa. Hmm. So it's it's basically like, you know, Snake Plissken as Santa. And yeah. it's kind of awesome. It's wonderful. It's a nice it's a nice movie. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Hmm. Speaking of Kurt Russell, I saw the new Overboard on the plane coming home from oh, China. Oh, and? I thought it was great. Oh, okay. I love the original. I do, too. We saw that as a family. We in did the too. Theater. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, a very silly movie and still has a lot of I don't know problems. I like the Anna Ferris. You know what? I like the Anna Ferris too. She's fun. Mm-hmm. She's cool. a lot of fun. I don't know who that guy is, but the hot Spanish guy. Yeah, I don't know him. Yeah, I have no idea. But he's hot in Spanish. So. I mean, he's serving some. <laughs> He's, do, he's doing what he needs to do. Exactly. All right. You have a story to tell. I do. Okay. I'm not going to say much because I right. say that now. All righty. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, going to light my candle. <clears throat> you know. Yeah, light your Nancy candle. <laughs> we bind you, Nancy, from doing <laughs> harm to yourself and you, others. Um, you guys all know that uh, places with violent past can be magnets for the paranormal. Oh, no. You all know that um, raw power of pain um, pervades these locales. By the way, raw power of pain is my favorite metal band. <laughs> you know. Are you ready to listen to some raw power of pain? I'm like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm in the wrong venue. Get it. Um, in these types of places uh, that are so haunted or something so terrible has happened, um, it could be something that, like, that resonant energy is happening, right? Some memory from another time is recorded into the very land and air itself. And when we see it, it looks like a tape or video. Okay. Cool. Uh, but what we, do kn- what we know is that locations intertwined with brutality produce infinite ghostly tales. Of murderous ghosts and strange goings on. Oh. That's right, Noel. We now take you to Indiana. <laughs> oh, no. No, first oh. of all, in general, no offense, Indiana. Who wants to go there? Here's the thing about Indiana. When you drive into Indiana, everyone yeah. else is leaving. <laughs> Pay attention. It's a thing. You're like, where's everybody going? Oh, they're like it's a message. They're going elsewhere. Yeah. Well, we now take you to Indiana. I said that really weirdly. Like Pence Jenna country. Maroney. Pence country. As we I are now it. going to Indiana. Yeah. On camera. Mm. Broadway. To Indiana. <laughs> We're going to Fox Hollow Farm. Oh, that sounds really nice. It doesn't. It was once the home and slaughterhouse of serial killer Herb Baumeister. Oh, Baumeister. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty awesome name, though. Yeah. Herb Baumeister. Why did you think he killed Herb people? Herb Baumeister. Baum. 
So Herb is one word. Yeah. And then Baumeister. I got it. Is oh. it Baumeister or Baum? B-A-U-M. It's a German name. Baumeister. Yeah, no, I got that part. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which part was it that you're not going to come after thought, me about? <laughs> no, no, nothing. I just thought maybe it was like bum, like your bottom. No. And I was excited. All right. I said I wasn't going to talk much. <clears throat> Well, it appears that ghostly entities, both killer and victims, are eager to speak and communicate Jesus. to the living. Okay. Where is Fox Hollow Farms located? Are I you... am so glad you asked. Okay, thank you. Um, it is located uh, near Westfield, Indiana, near Carmel, Indiana, uh, yes. uh, near Indianapolis. Okay. I know all those places. Good. Herb Baumeister uh, was born um, April 7th, 1947, and he died July 3rd, 1996. That's not that long ago. Yep. So he wasn't that old. Uh, No, about 41. Okay. A lot happened to Herb, and it caught up to him. Okay. Yeah. Um, Here was his modus operandi. Herb Baumeister found men in gay bars and buried them in his yard. Ooh, he's like a Dahmer type. Mm-hmm. Or like a um, John Wayne Gacy type. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Except they were under <clears throat> his bed. No, John Wayne Gacy, oh, they were all in his crawl space. In the cr- well, right. But he kept some in the, in the bed underneath him. Underneath, right, yeah. right, right. I am not suggesting that Herb didn't do super fucking weird things, too. Ugh, Herb. Herb. Uh, guys, let's talk about the early years of Herb. Um, he... Got his start in sadistic tendencies from a young age. He played with dead animals, and he often tortured live ones. He probably wet the bed, too. He may have. It didn't say, but that's usually a part of it. Right. Uh, He wet something else, though. His whistle? (laughs) (laughs) As a child, he was caught uh, urinated on uh, on his teacher's desk. Oh. Well, she probably did something to offend him. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Obviously. Yeah. So he peed on his teacher's desk. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, then he also put a dead crow on a different teacher's desk. Is is he maybe, like, gifting it to her, like, when a cat brings you a dead animal? <laughs> I gave... I brought this for you. Would that make it less weird? <laughs> or was he telling her to eat crow? Oh, that's clever. No, I think he was just a freak kiddo. Yeah, okay. I mean, it might have been a pun, but it also... Probably not. You know, he could have left a note. <laughs> hey, teacher, eat crow. Right? Or just said it while he gave the finger. No, instead he put a dead crow crawling with uh, bugs on her desk. Oh, that's terrible. By the time Herb was in his teens, he was submitted for a psychiatric evaluation, and he was determined to be suffering from schizophrenia. Weird. Mm-hmm. That's actually pretty early for schizophrenia, aren't you? Aren't most people usually diagnosed, like, in their early 20s? Or, well, or like, in their 20s, it's usually, like, a little bit later in life. It depends. <clears throat> so he might have had a psychotic break a little bit early. Mm-hmm. When did Ronnie DeFeo have his little break? Ronnie DeFeo, um, he was, what was he, 23 when the family was killed? So, but he had his mental breakdown, I think, around, like, he was in high school. Yeah, I think this kid was in high school. Yeah. I think it just de- depends on the severity of sure, for, where your head is. For sure, but commonly... It's... It doesn't say anything about drug use. It doesn't say anything about epilepsy. Uh-huh. But one would assume something... 
obviously from all the other things that he was pulling, something was going on. Right. No. Yes. Yeah. So, and my point is more like he's pretty exceptional because it's outside of the norm. I mean, mm-hmm. schizophrenia is already outside of the norm, but like this is even more outside or yeah. further outside. Well, and also too, we have to remember there was a time. I mean, this is um late 60s that at that time they weren't necessarily catching quote unquote schizophrenia true in general so people could have had it for quite some time and not been diagnosed with it yeah and in places it was considered it was considered like a secret shame where now uh, with a little bit of more of like mental health issue acceptance right people would be like hey i think there's something wrong with my son oh you're right he has schizophrenia and they were still treating people then with, with lithium right or not lithium um I'm sure. I mean, I think they still treat people as lithium. It, but what was the, the extra, I can't remember. Electric what it, shock? Well, it was electric shock. If you found the right doctor, they, they oh. would still perform that. Because that was pretty much outlawed at that point. But it was more um, the drug I'm thinking of. And I can't, maybe it was like a high dose of lithium. Yeah. So very, very. So, yes. Um, back in the day, lithium was almost across the board prescribed. Some, some people still take lithium. Right. And I don't know exactly why. Um, I'm not, not 100% sure. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm... I think there was also something else going on with Herb, and we'll talk about that. Okay. So Herb um, <clears throat> married his wife, Julie, in 1971. Oh, Julie. Oh, Julie. <laughs> we are going to get to her. But anyway, they oh. had three children together. Okay. Herb founded the Save-A-Lot chain of thrift stores in Indianapolis, Indiana in 1988. He founded them? Uh-huh. Save-A-Lot's now like a... Was it... Did he franchise them or did he actually found... Because that's a national chain. Like, you find Save-A-Lot's... There is... All over. Um, <clears throat> yes. And I read somewhere that the thrift stores are not the same as the drug stores. Okay. So Good I... Yes. There is a national Save-A-Lot tra- ch- chain and a, a regional Save-A-Lot thrift store. So his is thrift. Yes. Got it. But okay. it did make him a lot of money, and he and his family moved out to a spacious and luxuri- luxurious 18-acre estate in the suburbs called Fox Hollow Farm. Um, I can post pictures on our Facebook of it. It's quite stunning. I, I, it's a very nice name. Like, when you hear something like Fox Hollow Farm, you immediately assume, I mean, maybe I assume that it is, like, this sprawling land that's, like, green and rolling yeah, and it looks really nice. With, like, tree-lined, a tree-lined driveway and uh-huh. foxes burrowing, burrowing into their hollows. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There has to be foxes <laughs> if it's fox hollows. Fox hollows, sure. Yeah. Maybe they have their own little farms. <laughs> fox, not foxes. Sorry oh. about that. My apologies, everybody. Well... Despite uh, early success at concealing his odd behavior, Herb's tendencies began to show. And they began to show outright. Um, This is after they've moved to the farm. So they've moved to the farm. He's married. Everything seems like it's going well. And there's a lot of pictures of them being, like, social. They're hiding a lot of these behaviors. But there's some things that when you are Herb, you can't hide. And this is, like, past, like, all of, like... So we we haven't seen, like, the tendencies he was displaying when he was a kid in school for a while. We were about to. Yeah, I mean, we Like, did. they were dormant. I don't know if they were dormant. I just don't know that people were talking about it. Yeah. Okay, got it. So at this point, um, Herb 
starts to um, uh, dress in women's clothing. He starts to do it at inappropriate times. What What is that considered an inappropriate time? Well, he lives in Indiana. So I would assume anything outside of a gay club that okay. features drag. Uh, so it, it starts to sort of make its way into its daily life. Now, me, you know me. I love drag. It's one of my favorite art forms. Right. Um, <clears throat> but we have to remember in the uh, 70s and 80s and the Midwest, mm-hmm. that wasn't something that was, I don't know. <clears throat> I just realized I know this story. Do you know this story? I do. Oh. Um, it all kind of clicked. Um, so... Was he wearing it? He was wearing it out in public? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, good for him. Like, that's extremely brave, but I mm-hmm. could see the fine people of wherever Indiana he lived. I'm sorry, I forgot. He lived to Carmel, Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, not He responding. was from Westfield, Indiana. Okay. Yeah, not handling that all too well. Yeah, I mean, to them it seemed a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. It's not like it is now. I mean, this, this was... Um, you know, this is her Baumeister, married uh, father of three, mm-hmm. owner of a very successful line of right. thrift stores. So it was just kind of weird to them. Well, do you remember, um, this was in the 90s, I think, when it came out that Marv Elbert, who was a sportscaster, yes, liked panties. to wear women's panties, and people were outraged, and it was this huge scandal, and he almost lost his career over it. Yeah, And it's like... Who cares? Like, I mean, like, yeah, seriously, big deal. But, I mean, it's 2018, uh, almost 2019. Right. And people would probably still think this is a big deal. Yeah. And it's like, like, you know, we have guys like Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye. For sure. Who um, considers himself, I, I, I mean, I don't really even know what it is, but he wears, like, high heels and he wears, like, shows off his legs, but, you know, has the male facial hair and... Um, I think he's like gender fluid. He's gender fluid Uh and it's awesome. And we're getting there, but it's got to be tough for him at times. I'm sure Mm -hmm. he's crossed, you know, he's knocked down a ton of barriers. And I mean, I think we can thank RuPaul for a lot of that as well. For sure. But raise um, a glass to RuPaul, everybody, please. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to me to think like, in the seventies, people were still, but it's also small town Indiana. So anyway, sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, it was just it was considered weird, and obviously mm-hmm. it made his wife feel weird, and and um, the kids, I mean, and the kids. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't normalized in any mm-hmm. way. And I here's my understanding of it because obviously you know I love drag. I was trying to find a picture of him in drag. I couldn't. Uh, I don't think he was good at it. Well, and that's and I remember seeing. Not that you have to be good at it, but I think, like, drag now has, has elevated itself to the art form that it is. Oh, for sure. But I remember being a kid and seeing men dress as drag in, like, the grocery store um, and, you know, growing up in small towns. It is odd, but they don't necessarily have the money to buy nicer things that fit yeah, them well. Yeah, or, like, the wherewithal to, you know, yeah. figure out contouring. They, they might not quite <laughs> understand... And it looks like a man in a dress, and yeah. it's a poorly fitted dress because it's not contoured to their body. Sure. And, and they're usually too big for the clothing that they're trying yeah, to wear. Yeah, and the yeah. shoes are not attractive because, you know, they can only fit, their feet are bigger. And so, it, it, it I, yeah, it, it's a little uncomfortable, mm-hmm. or awkward, I should say. Well, during this time, this is not 
uh, has nothing to do with drag, but uh, during that time, he urinated on a letter that he sent to, <laughs> yeah, he likes to pee, uh, then Governor Indiana uh, Robert D. Orr. Okay. An, inc- an incident that got him fired from his former job at the Bureau of Mo- Motor Vehicles in 1984. So he was running the Save-A-Lot, but he also was working with the DMV? I guess. Okay. Um, and I don't know, it says Bureau of Motor Vehicles, so I don't know if that was a political appointment. Oh, okay. They're very successful yeah. living in this beautiful mansion family, so I don't know what this means. But um, oh, that thrift money. Herb also had run-ins with the law, including driving under the influence, um, and he had an auto theft charge, and both they let him go. Because he's connected. I mean, probably. Okay. I Herb. Herb. So that takes us through the 70s and the 80s. Well, in the 90s, things really start to happen. And you can remember when I said his death date, he died shortly after all the things that we're going to be talking about. Um, but he was a very successful young man. He was. Then he died 41 and he, at 41 and he had like all of this. Yeah, 1947 to 1996. Wow. Well, in the 90s, things start to go very quickly. So here's what happens in the 1990s. In the 1990s, there was a spate of mysterious vanishings concerning gay men in the Indianapolis area. All of the missing men determined to be the same height, weight, and some of them the same general appearance. <clears throat> okay, sorry. Yeah. Eventually, some corpses were found in Indiana and Ohio, but they could not be connected in any way. Police received an important, uh, an important tip in relation to these disappearances in 1993, when a gay bar customer claimed that a mystery man known only as, quote, Brian Smart, quote, had killed his friend with a pool hose and had tried to kill him as well. Despite this lead, police had no idea who Brian Smart was. They had only a vague description and the potential uh, suspect could not be located. Okay. At the time, nobody would have suspected Baumeister as he was successful and a rich businessman mm-hmm. and a family man with wife and children. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. He just likes to pee on stuff occasionally. Mm-hmm. What's the big deal? Right? <laughs> Except in 1994, Herb's businesses began to go under and he was arrested once more for drinking and driving. At this point, he was spiraling, and it became very clear that he was leading a double life. Oh, Herb. Herb. Poor Julie. Or not. Well, we'll talk about her. Because there's a lot of different things that that think that she should have known better. But I honestly, we can talk about her a little bit later. I think she was just super naive and depressed. Um, Let's talk about the family here, then. (laughs) Segway. (laughs) Um, Herb's wife was beginning to get sick of his drinking and bizarre behavior. <clears throat> okay. Um, there were times when the police would come to the door and she would stand up for him. She was just like, what is going on? And, and yeah. Herb is very, char- Herb, <laughs> Herb was very charming. You know, when you look down at a piece of paper, mm-hmm. um, was very charming and very much like, I'm handling this, honey. You know, she did not a goddamn thing. But she was... Let the man take care of this. Right? But she started to be like, what is happening with you? You're drinking. You're being weird. Right. You um, keep bringing these young men home all the time? I well, don't we're going to get to that, too. I mean, again, so poor Julie, we don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if he, she just wanted to believe his weirdo lies or what, but... Were they religious people? Didn't say. Okay. I would imagine it's Indiana. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking, like, 
Because, you know, in the 90s, like everybody was religious. True. In the Midwest. <laughs> still kind of. But like, <sighs> divorce is such a. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, in, in most religions, in all religions, divorce is such a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a small town, like, that carries such a stigma if you're the divorced woman. Sure. Of, so, you're the divorced woman <clears throat> and the cross dresser. Yeah. So I can only imagine, like, what that must have been like for her. So, um, around this time, when he's starting to spiral, his 13-year-old son finds a human skull on the oh, back of their property. Mm-hmm. They have a giant amount of property, and uh-huh. so um, Herb explained it was a piece of medical skeleton that had been left behind to him by his late father, who had been a doctor. He had been medical in the medical field. Now, why any of them believe this is beyond me. It doesn't make too much sense. Um... But the family actually believed this story. <laughs> but shocking to them later on, all the bones that uh, Herb had showed them just vanished. So, so he said, yeah, it's a medical skeleton. Don't worry about it. And then when his son went to go back to look for them, they were gone. They were gone. Okay. <clears throat> Got it. This leads us to the investigation. Okay. Don't worry, everybody. There will be ghosts. <laughs> I mean, you have serial killers right now, so hopefully you're sated. Yeah. Um, Marion County Sheriff's Department. Sorry, Mary County. Mary County. Ugh. Marion County Sheriff's Department and the Indianapolis Police Department began investigating the disappearance of gay men in Indianapolis. By 1993, investigators were contacted by a man claiming that a gay bar patron calling himself "quote Ron Rosen" had killed a friend of his and attempted to kill him. So now we have two. <clears throat> Aliases. By the way, I'm going to say this. Herb is good at aliases. Yeah, he is. Because they're kind of generic, but they're kind of not. Mm-hmm. And they they sound like common names. So he's pretty smart. Yeah, Brian Smart and Ron Rosen were Those his are good. aliases. Yeah. Those were very good. <clears throat> so the detectives um, told him to contact them again in case he ever saw... Ron Rosen. Okay. In November 1995, this guy called them and supplied the man's license plate. Then after checking the license registry, turns out Ron Rosen was... Her Baumeister. It's true. <laughs> it is true. Old cross-dressing Herb. Yep. <laughs> so... In the- I just put it together, too, that Herb owns all of these thrift stores, so he's getting ladies' clothes all the time. Sure. He's just shopping. I'm sure it can make, it sounds like he can make an excuse for anything. Yeah. He had all those, like, taffeta prom dresses from the 80s that he could parade himself. Sure. How nice. Jessica McClintock. (laughs) I'm pretty sure my prom dress was the Jessica McClintock. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Um, let's see. Investigators approached Baumeister told him he was a suspect in the disappearances and asked to search his house. When the number was run through the system... Oh, wait. So, authorities immediately went to Fox Hollow to ask to search the premises. Um, But they were refused. Um, I'm skipping here. Oh, uh, but they were refused and there was no evidence other than her being in a gay bar. So the police were forced to back down. Okay. Um, after that, Baumeister's business continued to decline. 
Finally, it went out of business and closed a store in 1996. Is this a result of the cross-dressing? I think it's all the things. From what I gather, he is... Now, we don't know yet that he's doing this. But what we know is he has mental illness. He is going out almost every night to gay bars and having sex. We know... Okay. That he's cross-dressing. We know that his businesses are failing. What we don't know yet is that he's murdering people. So it makes sense that, like, this is going to affect your work-life mm-hmm. balance. Plus, you He's paying the... much more attention to seducing and killing than he is. Sure. Well, he's also competing with, like, the Goodwills and the Salvation Armies and the St. <laughs> Vincent sure. de Paul's. Yeah, no, it's a... T- it's the a... mainstream thrift. It's a, yeah, it's a... Yeah, right, if you will. It's a tough business model. And then when you're busy... Killing people. Right. In the 90s, you're also getting the rag stock and the buffalo Yeah, the rag stock. Yeah, man. Going to Indianapolis. Hit up one of those guys. Anyway, so this behavior in 1996 causes uh, Herb to go into a massive depression and a major downward spiral. And his behavior gets weirder. (laughs) So, Julie. Enter Julie. By June of 1996, Julie had become frightened by her husband. Um, she said that his uh, behavior was erratic and she filed for divorce. D-I-V-O-R-C-E. My D-I-V-O-R-C-E <laughs> becomes final today. Little Dolly Parton and or Tammy Wynette, depending. Um, Who wrote that song? Dolly Parton, Tammy Wynette sang it first and then Dolly Parton sang it second. But Tammy Wynette. Somebody wrote it for Tammy? I think Dolly, wrote, Dolly it for wrote it for Tammy. Okay. And then Tammy, because you know Dolly was writing a lot of songs for people. Right. Like she, she wrote, wrote The Stranger for um, <clears throat> uh, Kenny Rogers. And I right. don't think she ever put out a proper recording of The Stranger. You would know. I'm, I might. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I'm just staring at you, looking for answers. So anyway, she filed for divorce and she was like, you know, if you want to, you can come on Fox Hollow Farm. Which was a huge betrayal, because for the longest time... To the police, she said that. Yeah, she was like, come, oh, man. come and get her. She also <clears throat> said there was a skull on the property, to which they went, is this good? Is this good? what? And she was like, oh, yeah. So, But my father-in-law was a doctor, and he liked to keep skulls, so it could be one of his. Who right. knows? No, she was in full <laughs> revenge mode, Julie was. Well, Julie, good for you. Mm-hmm. The search of an 18-acre estate named Fox Hollow Farm was conducted uh, while Herb Baumeister was on vacation. It turned up the remains of 11 men. Hold on. Was he vacationing in Key West, perchance? No, but he might have been vacationing in Ohio, which doesn't sound like a great vacation spot. <laughs> but he killed a lot of people in Ohio. Oh, And really? so sometimes he would say, quote, unquote, he was going on vacation or, quote, unquote, he was going on business yeah. uh, to Ohio. I'm going to pooch something uh, from from later on. Julie Baumeister told authorities that her husband made as many as 100 business trips to Ohio. Well, there's that awesome amusement park in Ohio. that King's everybody... Island? Been there. Is it King's Island? No, there's another one that everybody likes. I'm going to ask you to stop yelling at me. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I don't have a voice, so I have to raise it. Uh, <clears throat> that's not the one I'm thinking of. Maybe okay. it is King. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, I think there's another one. But maybe he's just Island, like so. a coaster fan. A yeah, coaster, no. I don't know. You what... know he was convicted of these crimes. I do. Actually, he wasn't. Um, so... He murdered himself. They found... 
<laughs> oh, spoiler alert. Oh, so I'm sorry. They found 11 bodies on the farm. Yes, they found 11 bodies that they could put together, only five of whom were ever identified. Oh, that's horrible. Baumeister escaped to Ontario, where he committed suicide at Pinary Provincial Park by shooting himself in the head. In the suicide note, he described the failing marriage and business as reasons for killing himself. Nope. Himself. He did not confess to the murders of the men found in his backyard. Wow. In addition to the murders at his estate, Baumeister is suspected of killing suspected of killing nine more men, the bodies of whom were found in rural areas along the corridor of Interstate 70 be- between Columbus, Ohio, and Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. This is where Julie said that he made 100, bi- 100. trips. A hidden video camera was found at the pool house, and although no tapes could be located, it was thought that Baumeister likely had used it to record the murders. Well, and Columbus is where um, Ohio State University is, so there's all those college kids, too, there that are experimenting and but you know yeah like, well i mean i don't know I, I i don't know if i ever put it in here but one of the crazy things and one of the things that julie became aware of is that baumeister would bring these men back to their pool and screw around with them at the pool well, and sex sometimes the pool is fun sometimes more than one that's why when that guy said i was at this dude's house yeah he strangled my friend and i ran got it so he they thought that uh, and by the way, the tapes were cleared. Herb, mm-hmm. Herb took them with him okay. and then somehow got rid of them, destroyed them. I don't know. Um, they thought if they could find the tapes, they could find some of the sexual stuff. Right. Because they thought maybe what it seemed to them is that Herb had pointed the camera at the pool so he could watch himself having sex with the men. Right. But all of this on Julie's property. Right. Okay. So he was partying hard at his own home. Did it... Go ahead. Okay. So, I'm in my area that I've titled Getting Caught. Herb Baumeister. Herb. It's Herb. <laughs> it's weird, though, when I look down at my piece of paper. I would do the same thing. Uh, Herb Baumeister uh, burned and buried the remains of 11 men. Um, when detectives asked the son where the skull had been, they found a scorched area. Soon they dug up uh, plenty more human remains, and they also dug up uh, rusty pairs of handcuffs over 5,500 bones that's 5,500 bones and bone fragments were collected from the burn spot and there were even more in a distant compost area wow one searcher remarked he was composting the bone fragments or the bones I don't know if he was composting them or just hiding them because I don't think you can compost bones you can't but you could maybe like if they're if you're burning them you could probably like put them in the soil yeah. If it's ash. Well, one of the searchers remarked, it's like a bomb went off in a people factory. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. How, so they had to unearth all of this, right? It was all buried or it was? Uh, it was it was buried slash in uh, a hidden type of scenario. Okay. <clears throat> when police went to apprehend Baumeister, um, it was found that he fled to Toronto, Canada, where he had run where he had a run-in with a Canadian trooper as he slept in his car, July 2nd, 1996. Baumeister told the trooper that he was just a tourist passing through, but he was seen as suspicious, and the trooper would later claim that there had been a large stack of videotapes in the backseat. Oh, God. 
However, considering that Baumeister had not done anything wrong, the Canadian trooper was forced to allow him to continue on his way. The very next day, Baumeister went to Pioneer Provincial Park, killed himself uh, with a three fifty seven Magnum. Um, Did they say how he killed these men? Like, I know we, we know the one guy said he strangled his friend. I don't know. I think most of it was sure blunt okay. force. Like, he had sex with them and murdered them or something. Okay. Or he was having sex with them and murdered them. Okay. But because he murdered him, he killed himself, we don't really we have don't know. Any, any insight. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's where we get to go. So that's, that's the, that's the, uh, serial killer, her bummer. Do you have any questions about him, by the way? I feel like oh. I've been asking as we go. I do have a note that I, I did not put on my sheet, but I thought it was so interesting. Mm-hmm. So Julie, this yeah. is insane. When police were talking to her, they were like, oh, what? Um... She said in her entire adult life, mind you, she has three children. Mm-hmm. In her entire adult life, when she was married to Herb, she herself had only had sex three times. Oh, my God. Oh, no, it was six times. Six times. Six times. In my, in my mind, I was like, she had three kids. She said on the record, I know I only had sex six times. Wow. As an adult woman married to the same <clears throat> man for 20 years. So. With his three children. How crazy is that? That is. She is like incredibly incredibly um shoot what's the word i'm looking for when you're susceptible to being pregnant fertile fertile thank you mm-hmm. my god um well, i'm also i mean myself out incredibly naive yeah oh Julie. i mean they were like what and she was like oh yeah herb and i never really had sex and they were like oh that makes sense and she goes no we have three kids we just he didn't he would tell her <clears throat> that he didn't have a sexual appetite which obviously is untrue because mm-hmm. he was getting laid quite a lot. Oh, poor Julie. So, and she's, I mean, so he was 41 and 96, right? Yeah, she must be still so with us. So she's like in, 60. Her, like in her early 60s or just 60. Yeah. Oh, Julie, I hope you found love and they're having all kinds of good sex. Do you think that's likely? <laughs> yes, I believe, I believe in you, Julie. We should look her up. Yeah, she's probably sing gone into hiding. Share. I believe in Julie. Believe Julie. I believe I she went on past or her. Or Julie's all like, if I could turn yeah. back time. <laughs> Either way, she's expressing herself through Share, as she should. <laughs> so we're going to talk about ghost says. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2009, so this, this place lay dormant for a really long time. Um, 96 to 2009, I believe. Because Julie, like, got out of Dodge. Got I mean, out of Fox Hollow. They kind of have to when they find 11 bodies on your back. 40. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did she sell it? <laughs> I'm assuming. Either okay. that or the state took it. God. In 2009, uh, Rob and Vicki Graves bought the Fox Hollow estate. Um, despite, they actually knew for a while about its gruesome history. They were joined by Rob's colleague uh, from work... Joe LeBanc uh, rented one of the property's apartment. Okay. Joe had a dog. Now, I would normally just not say, like, Joe had a dog, but the dog's going to come into the hauntings a little bit. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about ghosts. It was not long at all before it became apparent there was something very strange about the new home. Um, they started to experience paranormal activity. Initially, it started with incredibly realistic, intense dreams. These dreams included somebody chasing them. 
They were so potent that in one case, Joel bolted out of bed and ran and smashed his head on the doorframe. Joe's dog, who had normally been quite docile, Mm -hmm. began to routinely snarl and bark at unseen enemies for no discernible reason. The people at the estate often found themselves poked, pushed, and prodded by unseen hands. There's a paranormal... That's how I know this story. There's a paranormal witness episode about this story. And it's this guy telling the story. Oh. The, the, The Joe guy? Joe guy and his dog. Yeah. Some people claim to see uh, Baumeister's spirit wandering through the Tudor mansion and grounds. Others have seen figures and heard their cries for help. Pots and pans and furniture move on their own. And uh, there are instances of disembodied voices heard from nowhere. Electrical appliances, which are often unplugged, um, are witnessed... um, uh, working on their own, so they're unplugged, but they can hear like a, oh. ha- a hair dryer or yeah. something. Yeah, okay. Um, and then there are unexplained knocks and walls, knocks on the walls, floors, and doors at night. So a lot of this really kind of just sounds like Haunting 101. Yep. But some of it, and we're going to get into some of the specifics, does not sound like Haunting 101. It really does kind of sound like uh, the legacy of Herb and his uh, male lovers. Oh, Herb. Any questions thus far? I don't want to call them male lovers. I, want I don't to call either. Them victims. Victims. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. My bad. No, all good. Uh, no questions. Thank you. So Joe has a very um, a serious encounter with a ghost. <clears throat> Joe's the guy who lives in the apartment. Mm-hmm. There's a knock on Joe's bedroom door. It's so powerful and insistent. He feels like the whole thing is rattling. He tears open the door and he sees that no one's there. When he closes the door, when he closes the door, his dog begins to growl and the doorknob starts to turn back and forth. Um, back and forth so much, with so much force that it sends wood, spl- mm. uh, wood splinters everywhere. Oh. There's no one there. Joe then leaves the room and as he does, he sees a shadowy figure run from his apartment. He thinks the shadowy figure is running um, from his apartment as if it's in fear. Oh. So this is resonant energy? Maybe. Okay. But listen to this. So Joe himself is not terrified. He later speculates that this is the ghost of one of the victims. Right. And one of the victims is trying to escape a malicious entity, the one who is trying to smash down the door. Oh, no. And that spirit is thought to be... Baumeister. Oh, that's terrible. So in theory, he thinks he saw two ghosts. Uh-huh. One the really violent ghost and the other one the terrified one. Okay. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <clears throat> got another ghost for you. I just got shivers. That's terrible. I don't. That's a terrible story. Yeah. That's really sad. Do you want a nice one? Yeah, I do. I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. I, I can't imagine that this story would end well. No. So... I'm going to talk about the ghost of red shirt. Okay. Especially the ghost of red t-shirt. <laughs> red shirt definitely sounds better. Mm-hmm. One of the most dramatic phenomena they report um, happened one day when Vicky looked out, on the, out of a window and saw a man wandering the, pop, the property wearing a red t-shirt. Okay. She went out to see who the trespasser was, but then she noticed the man had no legs. 
He was hovering. Okay. And he proceeded to vanish right before her eyes. Great. <clears throat> they searched the surrounding wood, but can find no sign of whoever it had been. The mysterious man in the red t-shirt would be seen again when Joe was out one day walking with his dog. It would later be it would later be discovered that there were undiscovered human bones in the dirt in the very same area that this ghostly apparition had been seen. As soon as the bone fragments were removed from the ground, the man in the red t-shirt ceased to appear. So let's break this down a little bit. They, the police came out to this area, ex- excavated, right. and they found human remains, right. and then red shirt left. Right. I got it. I know what you're saying. I don't like any of it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking at me in such a way where you're like, uh-huh. Well... I've been watching a lot of Supernatural lately. Ah. Uh, so, and I know you've never seen the show, um, but they do a thing with whenever there is a ghost, like you've got to locate the bones and then they burn them. So they basically move the body on. That's that's how they do it on there. So there's been a there's been a little bit of that in what I've been watching, but it it just kind of like stuff like that. Uh, it always just kind of like makes me a little sad because it's like all right that I'm person not footsies with you i'm oh. just stretching even if you were i'd be okay with it <laughs> um <clears throat> it just kind of sucks because it's like that person's trapped in a way until they're like discovered but then i have that conflict where i'm like what is finding their bones like we know they're gone mm-hmm. don't we i don't know well i think it's interesting i mean if this story is to believe and i'm don't have any reason to believe it or n- disbelieve it right. is that um, this shirt it seems like Joe maybe has some sort of connection I don't know what it is but a uh, red shirt mm-hmm. took him there mm-hmm. and Joe called the authorities they found his bones and he left so well and you would hope too that maybe like Maybe the family was trying to find this guy and they didn't know where he was. Yeah. And then so he led them to his body so now they like can move on. Yeah. I don't know. It's always a weird I mean, I think we've talked about this before. Like it's always an odd thing to me. Um and I've never experienced this and I hope I never do and I feel for the people who have or like they their their loved one goes missing and they have accepted that they're dead but they or they know that they're dead but they don't know where the body is and it's like i have to put them at peace and it's mm-hmm. like um i don't know that's like that not knowing thing that it's just like i can't wrap my mind around it for some reason it's weird to me and i don't know how to explain like my thought process with that and i should probably just stop talking but no you're um, great i think i think that that's an important thing that families deal with in terms of closure yeah it's a it's a weird closure thing and so that's probably what this is about like maybe like you know hopefully that person's family was now like put at some their minds were kind of put at some type of ease for me it's like are you really at ease because you're like lost your loved one is gone yeah i want to uh move on with the story a little bit but i do want to tell you something Mm -hmm. um there was uh, about two weeks ago in the Chicago Tribune, and we could probably post it on our site, there was a timeline, I don't know if you saw it, of the John Wayne Gacy murders. Did you see this? I didn't, no. It was pages long, and it was so fascinating. And 
it just went step by step by step about how people investigated John Wayne Gacy. Right. You don't know who John Wayne Gacy is. He's the serial killer that we already brought up, but he killed um, more than this, but 33 boys were found in his crawl space, and, and there are more to come. And they had a really hard time uh, identifying these boys who mostly were between 14 and 22 years old. Um, and part of that was because, and police would go and ask families, you know, this might be your child. Would you like to come in and look? And they said no, because so many of these families were so upset that that their child would be linked with homosexuality. Right. And that was the thing. I think that's something you stepped over is that a lot of these boys were male prostitutes or male sex workers. For this case? Or for John Wayne? For John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, they were, they were, they like, were certainly trying to get a fix, so they're trying to do drugs. Uh, one of them was a father of two Yeah, at a, 22 years old. Yeah, but a lot of them were, like, in their teens and were, like, kind of... Uh, they had been kicked out of their homes. Runaways. They were runaways. Mm-hmm. They were very young. And he would, like, take them in. Quote, unquote, take them For in. For sure. And so <clears throat> they were already disjointed from their families. Sorry, go ahead. No, keep going. But um, so it was easy for him to kill for to to kill them because they didn't have a family connection. They were like kind of lost boys in a way. Yeah, <clears throat> which makes it even. I mean, it's all tragic. I don't want to say it's even more tragic, but no, there was that killer in London, um, in the Soho area, that killed I think forty boys, men, uh, and they had a really hard time of. Families coming over to, uh, <clears throat> they had a really hard time identifying missing people. They had a really <clears throat> hard time of families wanting to accept, like, hey, so this is your son. He was probably killed by, like, a gay lover. He was yeah. probably a prostitute. And they were like, no. So there is um, less now, but, of course, still is. I mean, we're talking about 30 years ago for many of these things. The stigma of... These families are like, cool, my son ran away. Now you want me to identify his body and you want me to (laughs) say that he what now? Well, and I think here's what it comes down to. Hug your loved ones and appreciate them for their quirks and all their weirdness. And even though being gay is not, there's nothing quirky or weird about it. It's who they are. But like, because you don't know what could happen tomorrow. And to be that hateful towards something it's like and now you've lost your child because of this like think about it that way and i know that nobody who's listening to that show this to us would be that way but there are people out there that can easily cast off their family and it's really sad to me also if you are a person who feels like you're cast off to your family please email us uh high spirit chicago at gmail.com hey noel and jay Love yeah. me, and we'll be like, we do. We do love you. We think you're amazing. And also, if you are feeling abandoned or you're, you know, especially if you're a gay teen and you have no place to go, there's groups like the Trevor Project. For sure. That is there to listen to you. Um, you can find them at thetrevorproject.com. Um, but y- y- you've got a lot of people and a lot of support out there that are, you know, want to help and want to be there for you. That's our public service announcement for the day. Um, sorry, this got really heavy. It did. Now we're going to go back to ghosts. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I just kind of like, I'm sorry. I like went no, down a rabbit hole. you're very emotional and I love it. I mean, so true. <clears throat> so many of these things, I mean, like as, uh, as um, I'm kind of going down a, um, I'll probably be bringing you back some other serial killers, but some of the, 
some of the reasons why these men get away with it is because they prey on they prey on individuals who, who whose families aren't looking for them, who they perceive to be disenfranchised, right. who, right. who they perceive to be written off. And that's how they get away with it. Mm-hmm. And they get away with it over and over and over again. So it's, it's a Jack the Ripper kind of syndrome, too. Oh, yeah. Sure. If we can classify it as that. Yep. These, you know, nobody cares about these women. Therefore, yep. they're cast soft. And cast also, soft. Uh, uh, in that scenario, it's their fault. Yeah. Meaning the prostitutes. Right. Right? Like... I mean, anytime somebody, I swear to God, in 2018, whenever people mention Jack the Ripper to me, and then they start talking about, well, you know, he killed prostitutes. I'm like, okay, all right. We need to, no. We need to look at at circumstances. I can't have this conversation. Well, right. And like these boys, like, you don't know what their situation is. They've been kicked out of their homes. They need to make money somehow. Well, in the sexual predators, Meriden has three kids. Yeah. And lives in a mansion. Lives in a mansion, has 18 acres. It's, It's pretty sad and sick, but, you know. Anyway. So just a few more ghost things. Okay. Let's go back to ghosts. You guys might remember we were talking about Herb. Um, Yeah. Who? (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Uh, Herb. But anyway, uh, Joe um, was the guy who lived on uh, Herb Baumeister's property. Mm -hmm. And uh, he began to complain that he was being followed around by an unseen presence. And um, <clears throat> he would hear all sorts of crazy noises, bangs, knocks, moving objects, uh, fleeting glimpses of shadowy figures. Oh, figures. One night, he claimed he heard from his kitchen the distinctive sound of metal scraping, mm-hmm. after we, which he looked to see that a kitchen knife had been removed from its usual place to be put on the counter, and there were cut marks on the wall. <laughs> <clears throat> that spelled out you or Joe. You know what's interesting and why I actually included this story because I kind of like it? It didn't have writing. Oh, I like it when it has writing. Yeah, I know because writing, writing honestly is much more compelling to the storyteller brain. And so I know this. Cut marks, random cut marks are antithetical to the it's haunted. But at the same time, most ghosts, as we can discern, don't have really great dexterity and their ability to leave... English language messages. Right. <laughs> because they're disembodied spirits. Right. So kind of like that, like, if a ghost got a knife in their hand, they could do very little with it. Yeah. Oh, no. I like the drama of the name, but the the reality is that, yeah, it makes more sense <clears throat> that they were just trying, you know, grasping at the knife and trying to do, you know, make some type of notice. Mm-hmm. I need to talk about Jeremy. So Jeremy was one of Joe's friends. And Jeremy uh, was a skeptic, like a hardcore skeptic. Yeah. And he was like, fuck this. I'm just going to go ahead and go into the pool. Okay. Now, the pool is where all the boys probably oh. died. Anyway, Jerry came over and he took a swim in the estate's pool. I can't believe they kept the pool. The very no one way. in which the bombmeist, in which Baumeister had killed Jesus. most of his victims. And they knew this. Yes. Jeremy, who was a skeptic and wanted to show them all there was nothing going on. Oh. Jeremy. When he entered the water, he claimed he was poked by unseen clan, unseen hands, and that something tried to pull him under and grab his throat. Yeah, it did. Hold on. <coughs> tight. Thank you. Um, witnesses said he genuinely seemed to be in dire trouble, and that he panicked 
and they had never seen something like this. It's so weird because Jeremy played varsity. Sw- he was on the he varsity was a total swim swimmer, team. and he was like, "Fuck this, go start right. Watch and then he, he almost swim like a fish. Drowned Oh, Jeremy. Uh, a couple <laughs> last things here. Um, Joe used EVP, which is electronic voice phenomenon, um, and asked who the entity in his kitchen was. Uh, The entity that he recorded said, I am the married one. Oh. Which is Herb. That's Herb. We think that's Herb? We think it's Herb. Oh, God. Since all Baumeister's victims had been single gay men, it seems like that might be him. Yeah. Um, Ugh. Herb. Yeah. The yeah. Chicago Paranormal Society picked up an anomalous exchange in 2010 in which they seemed to be able to contact not only Baumeister himself, but also the victims. The victims were recorded on EVP saying, hurry up, he's coming. Oh, oh. That, ugh. I don't like that. Well, it is good that you don't like it because this story is now officially over. <laughs> <laughs> That's like there oh, there's just so many wrong things about it where it's like if if you do believe all of this, if you do think that these men are like trapped on the farm living in this ghost state, it's ugh, thinking about like being a gay man in Indiana in the 90, in early the 1990s. By the way, this is this is um, circa the Matthew Shepard time. Yes, and now you're fucking stuck in like being like tortured for you know your afterlife by this psycho. That sucks. Yeah, that's not horrible. Okay. Like, oh, that's so upsetting. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> Wait a second. Why is this my fault? <laughs> Um, that's a bummer, though. Yeah. Oh, well. And one could question, like, and I, I actually thought about this, and I quickly dispelled this in my mind, but it's like, one could question, if Herb was allowed to be himself, would he be, would he have been this way? And I think the answer is yes, because he clearly, like, has psychopathic I think, tendencies. I th- yeah, I, I think, I think he would have been a problem. Because he didn't care, like he was cross-dressing in front of people, like in public. He started to, yeah. So he I think, didn't necessarily care what people thought of him. Yeah, I think this is just the, um, like the end game of his, uh, like psychopathology. Right. He's just he is a he's a serial killer. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. But then again, I mean, of course, that is nature versus nurture. Right. One would suppose if he didn't have to, you know. When did he get married? 71. If he didn't have to live alive for 25 years, maybe. Sure. But he was already, he was leading such a separate life. But you don't know, yeah, we don't know what he was doing before then. Like you said, he made all those trips to Ohio. So there are like all of those people that we don't know about are those, you know, potential bodies that are still out there yeah. somewhere. Ugh. So I guess the moral of the story is when you're at a bar... And somebody's like, do you want to come back and, and swim, swim in, in my, my pool? pool. You, <laughs> you say no. <laughs> no. No. Especially because we live in a cold climate. Yeah. 
there's no time, like, especially right now, if in, in December, if somebody is like, would you like to go swim in my pool? No. No. And also in July, it's the still no. <laughs> I was going to say, I, uh, I was interested in how specific you got, but also still no. The answer is always no. Here's the other thing. If somebody, I don't know, uh, mentions to you something really weird, like, do you want to swim in my pool? Not that many people have died there. You look at them and go, what? <laughs> <laughs> the answer to that should be zero. Zero. Or if they say, would you like to see my pool hose? Also, no. Yeah. If they're like, oh, somebody who swam here just before you wears the exact same size as you. Yes. Flee. Get out of there. Wow. If you, uh, <laughs> if somebody just tells you that, oh, I have swimsuits at my home. <laughs> oh, my God. And they fit you. Don't. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. I have a swimsuit don't, for you. Don't. No, you don't. Yeah. Don't even just, like, uh, call home. Call the police. Right. Take a picture of that person. Yeah. Because that could be, what was that dude, what did he call himself, Brian Smart? Brian Smart and Ron, I forget. Oh, see, that's how good they were, because they're kind of forgettable. They are forgettable. Brian Smart is a little bit more, because we have the, we were thinking Elizabeth Smart. Yeah. We still have to finish that up. No, we don't. Okay. I can't. It's really upsetting. Did you see it? I watched it, part of it with you. No, no, I meant, did you watch more of it? No, I stopped. It made me, I had nightmares It was not. It It made me very upset. So we're talking about... (laughs) Uh, the I think it was A and E. A and E did a a several part series of Elizabeth Smart talking about her abduction, and it's her telling the story. And she is, if you're not familiar with Elizabeth Smart, um, look her up. Also, pull yourself out from <clears throat> a fucking rock. Seriously, come on. She was abducted from her home at the age of thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, I was gonna say fourteen, but I think thirteen. Um, they took her from her home. Uh-huh. And uh, she basically became a child bride to this more or less cult leader. Um, and for many years. No, I think it was like 10 months. Oh, was it? Oh. But I, still. But it, oh, very a long, too long. Um, but she's she's safe and she's fine. And I mean, as fine as you can be Is after she? that. <laughs> Is she? She's, but she's, you know, an adult now. But she tells the story and she's like. So, like, it's interesting to watch her tell the story. So yeah. Jay and I watched, like, the first two episodes of it, and it was haunting and sad, and um, we're glad she's well. Yeah, as well she can be. As I was well about to look be. up Elizabeth Smart right but now. But that man and his crazy wife, wife are now in prison. Um, but, yeah, weird, weird stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> just don't, you know what, as a rule, just don't go in pools. <laughs> no. Stay away from pools. Just kidding. We love to swim. <laughs> Swimming is my jammy jam. <laughs> yes. You love the water. We know. I do. Okay. I can't find uh, Liz right, Smart. So Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for letting <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for letting me creep you out and for making you uh. upset. Um, we really appreciate all your listenership and thank you for understanding the hiatus that we took. Uh, I this is Jay Stegman. I was in uh, uh, China for quite some time, and then uh, it was the holiday. So, this is the, <laughs> this is the first time uh, I've had a chance to come you, back. Yeah, you survived the. You were in Shanghai or Beijing? Beijing, Beijing, I was in Beijing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just before that, I was uh, in the Middle East. So I've been traveling like a mofo, mm-hmm. but I'm back and dedicated to the show. And um, anywho, I'm Jay, and I think you're all great. And this is my best pal, Noel Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm about to start traveling again, so I won't be. <laughs> 
dedicated to the show, so we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I mean, we're going to try to bring you ghosts as much as we can. We're, we can. We are two <laughs> busy ladies, but we boy, do we love ghosts, and, yeah. and we do love your listenership. Um, this was the story of uh, the ghost of uh, Herb... Baummeister. Baummeister. And, um, Noelle, what are you drinking? I'm drinking the same thing as you, as you mm-hmm. actually. It's a Shameless Santa Belgian Ale. Shameless Santa, put a beer under the tree for he me. gives no fucks. <laughs> um, <clears throat> thank you for listening to High Spirits and with, and ooh. Oh, and as geez. always, uh, Noelle has something terrible to say to you. Sweet dreams. <laughs>